And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the J-Care Podcast. Today we have Kangalowski Sparks catcher and 2025 Oklahoma baseball commit Enzo Infeliz on the J-Care Podcast for the Illinois Baseball Series presented by Mind Baseball. Enzo, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing tonight? I've been doing good. Just got done with a couple things, uh, working on hitting and stuff like that. It's the weekly thing. Okay. All right, man. Well, you know, first off, appreciate you coming on the show. But uh, before we dig into, you know, your time with the Sparks, before we dig into your high school career, going to Oklahoma, you know, you behind the plate as well. Um, first question I always like to ask everybody that gets on the JKR podcast is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Enzo Infeliz? Um, I like to compete in every game I play. I don't really like losing. I like to work hard. And just keep getting better every day. Okay. I'm sure that's something that your Oklahoma coaching staff's going to like to hear. You know, a guy who doesn't like to lose, a guy who likes to get better. But, uh, you know, first baseball segment kind of want to dig into is your travel baseball experience. You know, playing for the Kangalowski Sparks in the summer, playing for them in the fall, you know, preparing for Jupiter here next week as well. Can I just kind of take us through your travel baseball experience so far, playing for the Sparks, potentially some other teams. What's that experience been like? Um, I started off travel baseball in AU. I played with like a local team out of Illinois, like around my town area. I played with them for a couple of years. I think 
two years, and then that's when my dad got asked to coach for the Kansas City Sparks, and then he took over a team for 10U through 13U. Yeah, 10U through 13U, and then basically that was a, that was our team through, yeah, 13U, and then I moved to a different team because my dad decided to coach my younger brother that is also in the Sparks organization, and then – yeah, basically getting into then 15U, we usually get new coaches and then they'll stay with us throughout like the whole high school career thing with like travel baseball. So they really know us. They don't want to change up the coaching that much. Yeah, I know there's a lot, you know, every organization is different when it comes to that. You know, some guys like to keep their same, you know, coach for 15U, same coach for 16U. And then there's some organizations that, you know, have them go all the way through. You know, with that, having that same coach for 15U, 16U, having him again for 17U next summer, what benefits do you think that brings you and just, you know, your teammates as well? I think just knowing how he coaches and the type of person he is. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, coach McBride, he's a coach at Brother Rice. Um, he, he loves to compete. He's like me. He likes to win. Um, and then he's just always good to us. Like, he'll always be straight up with us. Um, if we do something wrong, you'll tell us. Um, and yeah. So, you know, you said that one of those coaches there at the beginning was your dad, you know, playing for that Kangaloski Sparks in Feliz team. I thought I saw that the other day. I think he gave me a follow and I'm like, 12 you like, why is he going to 12 you when Enzo's like a, you know, a, a 2025. So there we go. I kind of, that clears that up for me, but, uh, you know, you playing a couple of years for him in that Sparks organization. What was that adjustment jumping from a team coached by your dad to joining a team with another coach? Um, Basically, um, I don't know. It was kind of it was difficult at first because I was just so used to him being around. He had to go to my younger brother's games more often than mine. So just like traveling without him sometimes, just adjusting to that. Um, just going to play with new players from the Sparks, even though it was the same organization. It was just a little bit different, not really knowing them, then getting to know new kids. But it wasn't it wasn't too bad. I knew the coach that I was going to and I liked him a lot so okay so you said you like coach was that coach McBride then that you were going to no that was uh 14 years my it was the other dad coach so 15 years when it transfers over to like the high the whatever high school coach okay thing. so you, you go on you know coach McBride takes over there your 15 year season I'm sure you've got maybe some assistant coaches as well what are some of those relationships you have with some of those sparks coachings co coaching staff um well, the head guy, Tyler Thompson, I have a good relationship with him. He lives like a minute away from me. So, yeah, I've talked to him a lot. Always talking to him. Um, Coach McBride, I'm always texting with him every now and then, just seeing how he's doing, how I'm doing. Um, we got two different – we had a different assistant coach last year than this year. And this one this year I loved a lot. Um, really, he's like – He's he's kind of like a kid, like not not like like Tom in a way, but like he's just super chill and stuff, and like you can hang around him. Um, our coach last year, I like too. Uh, you know Michael Massey. Oh, uh, I don't don't think so. Yeah, he his brother plays in the whatever MLB, and he 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 knows a lot about baseball and just learning from him and what his brother tells him and stuff like that. 
Okay. So, you know, kind of sticking on the topic of relationships, you know, I know that Kangol and Sparks team, you know, like we talked about before we started recording, you know, they kind of split up the state of Illinois, Sparks North, Sparks South. You playing on that Sparks South team, what are some of the relationships with guys that you've been able to build across the state teammate-wise? Um, Just we're always hanging out and stuff like that, always going up to the Dome. They'll sometimes come to my house and hit. Uh, we all work out at the same place. And then just always bonding and getting together and stuff and always hanging out with each other in tournaments. <laughs> and, yeah. Okay. So looking back on this past summer, take us through, give us the rundown on what this summer looked like for that 25 Spark South Black team. So we were coming in um, – our team was really loaded. We had a lot of good players also on that team. Um, we had kids like uh, Nate O'Donnell, Jack Wheeler, um, who else? Luke Mensick, Wyatt Warrow. Um, just a lot of kids that people don't really hear about, but they're they can they can hit and pitch, and that really led us to like winning big tournaments. I mean, we went down to East Cobb in that WWBA, and we placed third. So that was a good run down there with that team. Um, and, yeah, I think we expected that out of us, but not that much. But, yeah. All right. So, you know, kind of moving from summer to fall ball, I know you said the Sparks are kind of adjusting from they put the North and the South teams together for that fall season. What's this 2023 fall been like so far? I know we got Jupiter heading up there next week as well. Take us through, you know, those expectations for Jupiter as well. Um, Like – both of the coaches were talking like this is the most loaded team that we have and think we can make the deepest run in Jupiter. Um, just preparing, like practicing with the other Sparks team because it's our first time doing it this year, emerging both teams and just doing the practices and meeting the other coach has just been really helpful. And we really gelled together as together as a group. Um, and then it's just been really good this fall of playing with them. Okay, so when you think of Illinois travel baseball, you think of two teams, top tier, Kangalowski Sparks, you know, with those two of the teams, some of the best teams in the Midwest. Is there any sort of rivalry there in between uh, that top tier organization and the Sparks and any, you know, maybe rivalries between some of the ballplayers? I mean, maybe when we were younger, maybe a little bit, but um, no, not really. We, we hardly, I mean, we'll run into each other maybe once a year. But it's not as much as, like, other teams, like, hitters and stuff. But, no, not really. I'm friends with a couple kids on top tier. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So, kind of moving to, like, the personal showcase side of things. I see you wearing that uh, Decker Sports area code shirt. Let's talk about area code. Kind of give us the rundown on, you know, what that looked like, the day-to-day, the atmosphere. What did that area code experience look like for you? The atmosphere was just crazy with a bunch of kids just in the mid-90s, a uh, bunch of MLB scouts over there. Um, just being taught a couple things by them, the scouts over there, um, and just playing with a bunch of really good players from the Midwest and just, I don't know, getting to learn, pick their minds and stuff, um, hanging out with them, getting to know them. Uh, getting all that gear from area code was super cool. Um, and the weather was nice there too. So, 
Okay. So with that area code event, you know, you talk about all those different scouts that are there, you know, with them, you know, on the field, in the dugout, I know there's some scouts in the stands as well. When you're around major league scouts like that, you know, what are those conversations looking like? Are you picking their brain? Are you kind of leaving them alone? Kind of what's that looking like with some of those scouts at area code? Yeah, definitely just asking them questions, picking their brain on stuff, what not to do and to do when being looked at as a baseball player. Um, just really like asking them questions like when I'm hitting, what I'm doing wrong, um, how I could have caught that ball better when I was when I'm catching, stuff like that, just to get better on. Okay. On so there. With that many a scout with that many scouts there at an event like that, how do you kind of obviously they're gonna be watching you every every step that you take, every A B, every pitch behind the plate. How do you kind of block that out and not really think about it with you know that many people watching you? Just zoning in, going through my approach, not thinking about everything. Just thinking about just myself and just getting things done when I'm there and just blocking them out. Okay. All right. So I know that area code team, you know, you guys were pretty loaded. I think, you know, Mason Braun was there from Indiana. Mm. Um, Ezra Ezix from Illinois. I think Ethan Halliday was on that team as well. Yeah. You know, a bunch of, you know, some of the top players in the country kind of moving that into another personal showcase. You got to be a part of futures games, a lot of great ball players, but you know, at that moment in time, you guys were uncommitted. Take us through that event as well. Again, the day-to-day, -day, the atmosphere, the college coaches that were there as well. What did that Futures game at, uh, you know, Lake Point look like for you? Um, That was just crazy. That was the most college coach that I've ever seen at an event anywhere. Um, it's just we got to showcase our whatever, our hitting ability, catching ability, and it was just a fun time playing with a bunch of kids from Illinois competing. All right. So, you know, looking back at, you know, area code futures games, you know, playing for the Kangalowski Sparks in the summertime, playing for them in the fall when you kind of are joining those teams. What would be some of those favorite travel baseball memories that come to mind for you? Probably just the hotels and traveling with friends on like planes, car rides. Um, yeah. OK, so uh, moving from travel baseball to high school ball. You know, you head into your senior – no, sorry, junior year. Uh, can I take us through your freshman, sophomore year so far? Just what's that high school experience been like? Yeah, freshman year, um, I was put on JV for maybe two to three games. Then I got pulled up, was a big part on that team. I mean, that team wasn't really gelled together. It was, it was kind of a lot of arguing stuff with players. And then this year, our team was – we were ranked one in the state. And we had a tough loss at the end, but that team was really gelled together. We had a bunch of D1 commits, I think six, a lot of good pitchers. Um, we had Ryan Hussey. Uh, we have Nolan Gallagher, Jackson Smith, Nate O'Donnell on that team too. Just a lot of commits up and down the lineup this year as well. All right. Was That was last year or your freshman year? Yeah. Was, so that was freshman year, and then so, that was sophomore year for okay. this year, the – Okay, so you, you talk about how there's going to be a lot of D1 commits on that roster again as well. What are those expectations for your junior year? And kind of give us a rundown on what that 2024 spring might be looking like for you guys. Yeah, I think we have a we have a really good shot this year. Um, it's up and down the lineup, you know. We have everyone. Um, it's hard to beat. Our pitching staff is really good. Um, and just making that state run, which we couldn't make last year. 
Okay, so being a guy who has, you know, pretty much a year and a half of varsity experience underneath his belt, how do you kind of see yourself stepping up as a leader, as a junior? You're finally one of those upperclassmen. How, you know, where's your, where do you see yourself leadership-wise this upcoming spring? Yeah, I definitely see myself as a leader. Um, I want to be a leader on any team that I play on, just being vocal, just helping kids with things, um, just being a big part of this team because we're a young team this year. We're all we're basically all juniors except two, two, three maybe. And yeah, just taking a big toll on this team and doing the same thing that I did last year, just play play my best baseball I can. Okay, so you said last year you guys were ranked, I believe you said number one in the state of Illinois, but yeah. somehow you know had a tough loss there to end mm-hmm. the season. So I'm sure there's a lot of other very, very good teams in your area. What does that competition level look like there throughout the spring, you know, on the night-to-night basis? What are some of those pitchers looking like on the mound? You know, what's some of maybe some of those other top teams in your area as well? What does that competition competition level look like in your area? So we're in the CCL Blue with, like, St. Rita, Mount Carmel, Loyola, um, St. Lawrence, Brother Rice, like all those teams. So that, I think that's the best conference in Illinois. It's just the gauntlet, basically. Just arms on arms and bats on bats. And then we have a couple good schools like the Lincoln Ways. We're like right in the middle of the all the Lincoln Ways. So we play all of them each year. Okay. They so all Lincoln got Way. talent. Lincoln Way, I know obviously I know Jack Bowers there. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's good. Yeah. Eisenberg, all TJ Bell. Guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, like I thought they were part in the in the northern part of the state. No, they're they're right next to me. Oh, okay. See, for some reason, I, you know, I'm an Indiana guy, you know, I know a lot about Indiana baseball, you know, this is why I'm doing the whole Illinois series to kind of, you know, get the lands of Illinois ball. For some reason, this entire time, I've been thinking that that whole Lincoln way was kind of like a a suburb of Chicago. I guess I'm going to go look at a map and learn a little bit of geography from the podcast. Kind of the same question I asked you about travel baseball when it comes to memories. You know, looking back on your freshman, sophomore year, potentially if there's been any workouts there, you know, early on in your junior fall as well, what are some of those favorite memories that come to mind when you think about high school ball? Um, Just after a win, just hanging out with the guys up in our clubhouse, just having a good time, winning, just winning big games with them too. Okay. So, uh, you know, looking up there on that computer screen, I'm seeing that Oklahoma logo there in the background. Let's go ahead. Let's dig into what led you to Oklahoma. Take us through that recruiting process. When was it that, you know, you started getting contacted by collegiate coaches, started talking mm-hmm. to collegiate programs. Take us through that whole recruiting process. Yeah, so my first call was, I think, freshman, um, middle of freshman year. And then just started, it started going up gradually. Then future games hit. Then I started getting a lot of bigger calls. Um, then... I got – I think he started – I started talking to Oklahoma after future games, and then I went down there for, like, just to go look at it, watch a game. I loved it there. It was a really cool campus. I felt like I fit in great there, and the coaches just – I liked them a lot. Just talking to them was easy. Um, they're going to SEC, which is nice. They're far away from Illinois. Um, and, yeah, just playing the SEC has been a dream of mine. So, okay. yeah. So you said Oklahoma heading to the SEC far away from Illinois. So you kind of want to, you know, get away from your home state, be a little bit far away from the parents and, uh, you know, maybe, <laughs> I guess, spread your wings a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. So, you know, as you're going through, I guess I want to throw it back there to the beginning of the recruiting process, talking to Oklahoma, potentially talking to some other schools as well at the beginning. Take us through some of those initial conversations in terms of maybe questions that you're asking the coaching staff, maybe questions they're asking you. What did some of those initial conversations look like? Um, Just how they coach, um, what it's like there um how they how they do workouts in the mornings afternoons um how their practices are looking like what they do in the winter fall questions like that okay so you know being an underclassman there as the whole recruiting process was getting started I'm sure it was pretty much a whirlwind for you you know talking to some of your collegiate coaches for the first time starting to realize that you know playing division one baseball might be a reality here very very soon when did that all sink in for you? You know, when was it that you're like, shoot, you know what? Like, you know, this this is pretty cool. It's happened. This doesn't happen to too many ballplayers. Um, honestly, probably I was kind of a bigger kid growing up, so I just really I really thought like I needed to really get in the weight room. Um, probably around 14s where it hit me like I can I can be good in this game and play it through my life, um, college baseball, and hopefully professional baseball one day. Okay. So you said a dream of yours was to play SEC ball, you know, being a little bit mm -hmm. far away from home. Oklahoma checks off both those boxes. But beyond that, as you're comparing Oklahoma to potentially some other schools you were talking to and, you know, going through the recruiting process with, what were some of those key things that you were looking for and maybe some boxes you had to check? Um, Just like the way they talk to me. um. I could have a long conversation with them without maybe just stop talking for a second or two and just not the conversation being awkward. Um, just their, just how they express themselves with them wanting me. Um, I love, I just love the campus. I did like a student tour there and it was, I loved like how the setup was and everything. Okay. Like so, that. okay. So what was that final click? You know, you're going through that recruiting process, you go on campus, you really like what's going on there. You like your conversations with the coaches. What was that final click that put Oklahoma on top and made you realize that you wanted to be a Sooner? Just watching them play the game, how, how they play is how I play the game and I want to be there. And yeah. Okay. So you talked about how, you know, you had, a, you know, you always liked those conversations you were having with that Oklahoma coaching staff Take us through the relationship you're able to build with them just in terms of, you know, before the commitment, after the commitment. I know there's a little bit of a break in between there as well, going through that new, you know, NCAA regulation that came through. What's that relationship looking like with that OU coaching staff? Yeah, just really texting each other and like knowing our schedules. Um, just calling them whenever I need to. Whenever um, I have a question to ask him, when's this, when's that? And just always like being on the same standard as each other, I guess I could say. Okay. So again, you know, the NCAA regulation came into effect. You couldn't talk to them for probably what, four or five months or so. Yeah, four or five what, months, yeah. What was that excitement going through, let's say July 30th, 31st? August 1st hits a couple months ago, get to talk to them again for the first time. What was that excitement and kind of take us through the first conversation talking to them again? Yeah, just just waking up at like six in, six in the morning because I was in California for the area codes. And like I look at it because the time's way back there and I woke up at six and I get a message at like 
from four in the morning, uh, saying what's up, Enzo, and stuff like that. And then I called um maybe a week or two after the area code, and just this, it was the same conversations as we were having before, just really chilled out conversations, and just catching up on things. So, uh, you know, being a guy who, like we talked about earlier, you're not, you know, being from Illinois, you're not too close to the state of Oklahoma. I'm sure that's where they get a lot of their recruits. But what are some of those relationships you have with some of your future Sooner teammates? Um, There's a couple from Missouri. Uh, Riker Benz, I talk to him a lot. Um, I've been playing against him for a couple of years now since 14U. Um, uh, there, was a, there was two Oklahoma commits on the area code team, so I was – Talked to them a lot. Um, came in Franklin, uh, Max Bushyhead. So they were they were cool. Okay, all right. So last baseball segment here for you. I know looking through your PBR account, looking through your PG account, looking like you're a catcher, third baseman. You know what is that plan as you go through these next two years of high school ball, travel baseball, get to Oklahoma, and you know finally playing collegiate baseball. What is that plan here in the future, position wise? Um, definitely catcher in first base. Just making sure I can play both positions at the highest level. Um, making sure I'm ready to play both positions and yeah. Okay. So digging into when you're behind the plate, you know, at this moment in time, you know, playing high school ball, playing for the Sparks, going to those, you know, personal showcases like area code as well. Are you calling pitches or what exactly does that look like when you're behind the plate? Yeah. Over the summer and uh, at area code, I was calling pitches, but this fall for um, Sparks, I'm not. So, yeah. Okay, so, you know, let's say – so you said you're – for the Sparks in the summertime you're calling games? Mm -hmm, yeah. And was this your first summer doing it, or have you done it in the past? No, I've done it uh, since young, probably like 13, 14 I've been doing oh, it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I guess throwing it back there quite a few years to when you yeah. were first starting to call games, you know, what were some of the – what was that biggest learning curve for you or maybe some of those biggest adjustments for calling games, maybe some of the biggest lessons you've learned? What did that look like there at the beginning? Um, probably just knowing what to throw and what counts, what the hitter's guessing. Um, not maybe an O two count, one two count. Maybe he's guessing curveball and throw a curveball. Maybe it was a big mistake, like giving up a home run. That those O two or one two counts. Um, just really just reading the hitter on what he's doing is what I've really picked up on since I've been catching. Um, but yeah. Okay, so obviously in travel baseball, you know, there's not too many scouting reports going on since there's, you know, millions of teams that you could potentially be playing. What are you mm -hmm. looking for? What are you reading in a hitter? Whether you're watching him before the game, watching his first swing, the first pitch to him, what are some of those reads you're getting to kind of decide what pitches you just when, Just when he's in the box, if he's late, early, what his timing's like, um, up – if he moves up and say moves up an O2 count, get a fastball by him. He's chasing things in or out, can't hit the inside pitch, go in on him, stuff like that. Okay. So, you know, being a catcher, it's pretty important to have a pretty good relationship with your pitcher, build that trust. For you, how do you go about building that relationship? You know, whether that's guys on the sparks, whether that's going to area code and never, you know, talking to the pitcher before in your life, how do you go about building that relationship and where do you see that importance at? Just talking to them throughout the game, always knowing the situation with them, knowing the signs at second base. Um, um, at area code, I was trying to just get to know them, get to know what pitches they have, how they break, how they move. Um, yeah.
Okay. So with you being a catcher, what benefits do you think that brings you as a hitter? Um, I think it's really, I, I honestly think it's really helped me in like knowing the situation of what maybe that pitch is going to be thrown. Um, yeah. Okay. So moving it to the hitting side of things, take us through your hitting approach. Let's say you're on deck watching the guy in front of you start walking up to that batter's box. What's going through your mind? What are you trying to do with each at bat? Um, just staying through the middle and working backside, um, going through the pitcher, um, just staying through the ball, um, really working on things I've messed up on the net, the at bat before, maybe adjusting to that swing, getting my hands out more, maybe inside more, um, catching the ball later in the zone. Just always, I'm always wanting to time up the pitcher too when he's throwing, not standing there, just doing nothing. Okay, so, so yeah. are, you, are you a big two-strike approach guy? Or for the most part, do you keep that approach the same no matter what the count is? Um, Honestly, it depends on the pitcher and how I'm feeling. When I'm not feeling too good, I'll usually – I'll go into a two-strike approach. Um, When I'm feeling good, I'll usually just I'll, – I'll swing it in any count. All right, so I want to dig into your mechanics here when you're in, when you're in the batter's box. Take us through, you know, from that load up to that follow through. What are those mechanics looking like, and how have they evolved here? You know, as time's gone on, and you've matured a little bit more as a ball player. Yeah, um, just my big problem when I was younger was pulling off the ball and jumping at it at early age. Um, just staying my backside more, uh, like sixty forty, keeping my hands back. Um, Keep my shoulders even, not too tilted to the second baseman. Um, and just just staying on pitches more, working on the inside pitch has been a big thing with me because I've been getting pitched inside more. Um, yeah. All right, so looking at your game's entirety, so from when, when you're behind the plate, when you're playing first base, when you're you know running bases, when you're in that batter's box, if you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report you'd write up on yourself? Um, that I hustle, I have an arm, and that I can hit. Okay, pretty simple there, man. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of last last couple questions here for you before we dig into the personal side of things. Kind of want to look into your development. You know, you kind of talk about that personal scouting report there. But, you know, looking back on it, where has been that biggest uh, – I guess that biggest stretch within your development, where has that biggest development came from, you know, time timeline wise, and then looking ahead to the future as well. You know, what are some of those key points of emphasis within your development? Um, getting in the gym six to five to six days a week. Um, just playing, competing with a bunch of good baseball players. Um, just hitting every day, working on what I'm not doing right. Um, yeah, just putting in a bunch of work. Okay. All right, man. So kind of digging into my last segment here, digging into the personal side of things. Beyond the baseball field, what are some of those passions and some of those hobbies that you have to, you know, maybe take your mind off of some things? Um, Honestly, hanging out with my friends, um, going to the gym, mm, probably golfing too, going to the driving range or like top golf or something like that and just hitting golf balls. Okay, being a, being a golfer, do you think it's a myth that uh, you know your golf swing is going to mess up your baseball swing? I hear that a lot from some guys. Yeah, 
I I used to think it messed up my baseball swing, but no, I don't I don't think so. I think it's a myth. All right, yeah. I mean, shoot. I mean, I never know. I mean, there's some guys who are like, you know, I can't I can't touch it. I can't touch a golf club while during baseball season. Some guys go full, you know, full into it. So you know, I guess I never know. But uh, moving into the motivation side of things here for you, you know, what is that that helps you get out of bed every morning? Helps you continuously evolve as a ball player, as a person. What would be some of those motivations? Just knowing someone's working harder than you every day. Just wanting to, I'm just moving up in the rankings, um, getting better, and just wanting to be prepared for this, this season coming up and other things like that. Okay. All right. So I got six more questions here for you, man. Going to kind of ask it in like a rapid fire pace here. Three sets of two questions. First off, who is contacting your phone? You're scrolling through your contacts. Who would be that coolest guy that not too many people have? And then go-to playlist. Let's say you're making that drive all the way from Illinois, all the way down to Oklahoma. You know, what's some of the stuff you're putting on the speakers, whether that's genre, certain singer, maybe even a podcast. What would be on that playlist? Um, I'm trying to think of who's – because I'm on uh, my phone, like whatever messages got deleted from a new phone. I'm trying to think. Maybe uh, maybe I'm gonna be area scout or like one of my Oklahoma coaches, and then um, Spotify probably gonna listen to Lil Baby, Gun on Dirk. Okay, all right. Second set of questions here for you, man. Let's say I'm taking a trip to your area of Illinois. Let's say I'm moving on from Indiana, gonna go down south in Illinois to your area. What would be some of those recommendations for me, restaurant wise? Maybe some fun things to do. What would be some of those recommendations? And then second off, you have dinner with three people, dead or alive. Who would be at that table? Um, I'm trying to think of things to do around here. Um, probably. I'm trying to think. Going bowling, golf, uh, whatever. Uh, top golf around here. Um. A couple of things you could do around here. Um, and three people that I would have that would sit down. Um, Kobe. Um, my papa. Um, and then Ted Williams. Okay. All right. So, you know, learning from Ted Williams is a great mental guy when it comes to the game of baseball. Kobe Bryant obviously has that Mamba mentality, you know, two guys that are going to get your mind right when it comes to, you know, just, you know, performing as an athlete. But last two questions here for you, man, you know, TikTok for you page. Let's say you're going on to TikTok, scrolling through, what are some of those videos that you're seeing? And then final question, dream NIL brand, get to Oklahoma, have that opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. What would be that dream brand to partner, endorse, collaborate with, whatever? What would be that dream brand? Um, what was the first question again? I forgot. I was uh, TikTok for you page. Oh, um, I think my TikTok for you page is like <laughs> it's like animals right now. Uh, based some baseball. Um, and then, um, uh, my dream. NIL is probably with Evo Shield or G Form. 
Okay, so you chose you chose two uh, two competitors there. What what are you rocking right now? Are you more uh, Evo Shield or are you more of a G form guy? I'm more um, probably G form honestly, but okay. I like how Evo Shield makes her stuff. Yeah, Evo Shields, you know, always kind of like that traditional, you know, you know, uh, elbow guard, guard, and I, I mean, G form, G form is kind of taking it over. I have to say, I mean, all these different collaborations they have with those yeah. big events and those big time teams, you know, they're kind of taking over Evo Shield. But, um, man, that's that's the final question here for you on the J Care podcast. You know, really appreciate you coming on the show. And as you go through, you know, your junior year, go through your senior year, go to Oklahoma, and even hopefully years beyond that as well, man. I do want to wish you the best of luck. Uh, but again, just thanks for coming on the show and, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me.